Have you ever considered the impact your work environment has on your health and your productivity? Enter Uplift Desk, a revolutionary standing desk designed to transform the way you work. And that's just the beginning of what Uplift Desk has to offer. With an emphasis on ergonomics and customization, Uplift Desk offers a solution that caters to the dynamic needs of modern professionals. Whether you're coding, designing, or podcasting, like I am right now, the flexibility to switch between sitting and standing can significantly enhance your focus and vitality. What makes Uplift Desk stand out is not just their commitment to quality and innovation, but also their dedication to creating a healthier workspace. With options to customize from over 100 desktop materials and a plethora of accessories, Uplift Desk ensures that your work setup is uniquely yours, promoting better posture and movement throughout the day. And here's an offer to get you started on a healthier work journey starting today. Go to upliftdesk.com slash timecrafting for 5% off your order. That's upliftdesk.com slash timecrafting to get 5% off your entire order. Your health, your productivity, your future self will thank you. Again, that's upliftdesk.com slash timecrafting and get 5% off your entire order today. Have you ever had that heart-stopping moment when you realized you forgot the password to a critical account? I have, and that's exactly why I switched to 1Password years ago, and honestly, it's been a game-changer. I can't do without 1Password, and I know that if you give it a try, you will feel the same way. And when you support our sponsors, then you support the show. So I encourage you to check out what 1Password has to offer one of the things 1Password has to offer is it combines top-tier security with an award-winning design, making password management a breeze for anyone, anywhere. From the moment I started using 1Password, I said goodbye to the days of resetting passwords and worrying about security breaches. You see, 1Password isn't just about convenience. It's about saving you from the real cost of data breaches and the daily time suck of password resets. It works seamlessly across all your devices, filling in passwords for you so that you can sign in with a click. And the best part, all you need to do is remember one strong password that protects everything else. I've been using 1Password for as long as I can remember. My family is using it. Everyone in this household has bought in. It's, again, a game changer. It's completely transformed how I handle my digital security and my family feels the same way. We've gotten away from using the same passwords again and again and again, or sticky note reminders or having that notebook that says passwords I must remember. Plus, 1Password is trusted by millions, including giants like IBM and Slack. With 1Password, my digital life and my family's digital life is not only more secure, but infinitely simpler. And look, if you've ever been frustrated by a family member constantly asking for passwords, 1Password's secure sharing has been a total relationship saver for me. It's so secure that the Associated Press relies on it in high-risk areas, which means it's more than capable of keeping your digital life safe and streamlined. So why not make the switch? Protect yourself, your family, and your business with 1Password. It's the simple and secure way to manage your digital life. And right now, listeners of A Productive Conversation get a free two-week trial at onepasswordcom slash productive convo. 
That's two free weeks at onepassword.com slash productive convo. Again, onepassword.com slash productive convo. Check out one password. I know you'll fall in love with it like my whole family has. Again, that's onepassword.com slash productive convo for two free weeks. Check it out today. I'm Mike Vardy, and I'm about to have a productive conversation from the vault with Mark and Angel Chernoff. Welcome to a productive conversation. I'm Mike Vardy, and we've got an episode from The Vault this week. Big week for me here. You probably heard off the top Kickstarter campaign underway for my book, The Productivity Diet. You can check it out at productivityist.com slash diet. If you're listening to this as the campaign is live, if not, then you can check it out after the fact. Uh, One thing that I love to do with these Vault episodes is share episodes after the fact. Some of the more popular episodes that we've had over the history of this podcast, both as the Productivityist podcast and as a productive conversation. And this is no exception. My friends, Mark and Angel Sharonoff joined me back in May of 2018 to talk about their book and, and the idea of their history and it was we've had many conversations over the years as a matter of fact earlier this year we talked about how it's been nearly 10 years since we took the stage at south by southwest in austin they have a new book out called the good morning journal powerful prompts and reflections to start every day i'll have a link in the show notes for you to pick up this book but I wanted to share this episode with you because, you know, we all could use a good morning. We always could use a good day. And whenever I have a chance to chat with Mark and Angel, always have a good day. It's always a good day. Anyway, here is my conversation from May 2018 with Mark and Angel Chernoff. Enjoy. I'd like to welcome Mark and Angel Chernoff to the Productivityist Podcast. Thanks for joining me. Yes, thank you for having us. Thank you, Mike. So the new book is called... Getting back to happy, change your thoughts, change your reality, and turn your trials into triumphs. Uh, I want to first off kind of get a sense of where, why, why the fuck? I mean, there's a lot of books on happiness, right? You know, we've seen like uh, Gretchen Rubin's been on the show before. She's talked about the happiness project. Sean Acor's got, uh, you know, he talks about the happiness advantage. Uh, Angel, why, why, why did you guys decide to focus on the idea of getting back to happy? Uh, and, and why is that such a, a pivotal part of, of the work that you guys do over at, at your blog and, and how you were able to kind of get this into a, into a book format? We'll start with you, Angel. Yes, I, I think all of us at one point or another have experienced a time where we wanted to be more happy or we were just feeling down. And this book is more than just your typical happiness book. This book talks a lot about the rituals that you need to implement, the actions you need to take to, to kind of get out of that rut. And what are some things you can actually do rather than read about and get this inspiration from these words, but actually take actions to make progress and get out of that, that slump. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, the the whole entire book comes from our own grief and our own issues with adversity. Um, The long story short is that we lost two loved ones back to back to death um, when we were in our late 20s. And it was a point in time where, you know, that that experience um, piggybacking off of the downturn of the economy and us losing our jobs and struggling financially. We were at a point where emotional struggle, financial struggle, and we just hit rock bottom. And so we were at this point where it was like, you know, we were depressed and we needed to figure out a way to step through that. And like Angel said, um, the solution for us 
um, which is, you know, that there's a, a lot that happens there. But the solution for us was to take it one day at a time to to do our research, to read the books by Eckhart Tolle and Byron Katie and so forth, Christian philosophy, Eastern philosophy, and leverage those strategies, not on a one shot basis, not trying to heal ourselves all at once, but being willing and aware of the fact that the only way we were going to get from where we were to back to a happier you know, state of mind was to do little things every day. And, you know, some of those little things include are as simple as gratitude journaling and reflecting at the end of the day about what we're grateful for. Um, some of the more complex things is self-inquiry and and really drilling yourself about the the actual thoughts that are going on in your head at any given moment. They're just defeating you and bringing you down to your knees that are ultimately depressing you. Um, and so there and there's many more, you know, but the book has its baseline, like Angel said, in rituals and the idea that we are what we do every day. We are what we practice. And what we practice is not for just success, but it's for happiness. It's for getting our minds in a state where we can actually interact with the world in a more positive way, regardless of our circumstances. Yeah, and the way you've organized the book, it kind of like leads off with rituals and gets into mindfulness. And and, and it, it, it's like a progression, which I think um, – and, and you could uh, speak to your journey on this is, – is kind of the way the book is laid out, it kind of – indicates this almost like the the levels or the or the evolution of of as you get back to happy would that be an accurate statement either one of you can jump in on this one yeah that's absolutely right mike it it really is you know um you know for us it, it's it started we were living in san diego at the time and when we kind of hit our rock bottom you know the first ritual for us was just getting out of the house get out of the house out the door take about a mile walk down the road to this little area by the bay. It was a, a bay called Sail Bay. And we'd sit out there and let the sunshine hit our skin. And just, it was our reminder on a daily basis that, hey, like life is going on. Like we're in a dark place, but there is sunshine out here. So like we need to start figuring out how to step forward. Um, and from that, we started you know, bringing books with us and then challenging ourselves to read um, various sections to each other and then holding ourselves accountable to the things that we were learning. Um, and that was actually how the blog markandangel.com was born, believe it or not, is it was started just to be a public accountability journal of the things we were holding ourselves accountable to um, on a daily basis. So it was really like it became the foundation of our rituals. And then, and that's why it's, it's chapter one in the book, because, you know, that is sort of the foundation. It might seem like that's putting the cart ahead of the horse, like, oh, you've got to get your mindset right before you can start taking action. But really, it was the action that drove the passion. Um, and I think that's sometimes something we, we forget is that, you know, we think we have to wait till we feel better. We think we have to wait to find passion in our lives before we can take the next step. But it really is the action. It's taking those steps that creates the passion and it creates the mindset that allows you to make progress. Um, and so that's why it's step number one. And from there, right, then we dive in, in, into mindfulness and other tools that have its foundation in the ritual. Yeah. And it, it's one thing to want to get back to happy. It's one thing to read the inspiration, but it, but it's a whole nother thing to start taking those steps and taking action. So we've kind of laid out a blueprint for you to actually follow to start making that progress. Mm hmm. You know, it's funny. I've, I've been. We talked before we jumped on the on the show about uh, when I stayed with you guys in Austin for South by Southwest when we all spoke at South by Southwest. And one of the things I was fascinated by when I was, um, let's say, in recovery mode, was when <laughs> when you two were working. There was um, it was there was a 
de- like there was almost like a deliberate silence. You each kind of worked on your own things separately, yet you also function incredibly well as as a team. And I think that's something to be like. So I, I want to talk a little bit about the writing of the book and building the book as as a team. But I also want to talk before that about how important. I mean, I've seen you guys together, seen you guys apart. Like how. How do, how does that dynamic work where you say, hey, you know what, we're here to support each other, but I also need my time to myself. And I know you've got you've got your your, your son as well, um, so that you can not just have to lean necessarily on each other all the time, but know that you can you know kind of have that happiness with like like within the self as opposed to having it because I think a lot of people do that. A lot of people say, oh, I, I can't be happy unless this person's happy or so on. So can we dive into that a little bit? Whoever wants to start. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we're very lucky that I I am filled up and I get my energy just by being around Mark. So yes, we can sit in a room and, you know, most of the time when we're working <laughs> together, we're both sitting right next to each other. Like you said, yep. Mike, sitting there doing our own thing. You know, we each have our job and our position within the business. But yeah, we're sitting there doing our thing. And then when we need to, we're communicating and working together. So yeah, we're very fortunate where rather than needing our time apart, we actually fill each other's bucket in and get energy just by merely sitting next to each other and, and having that between us. Yeah. It's almost kind of like, I don't know if you've ever done group meditation, but that's sort of what it's like. Mm. If you can think about that, where you're like in a room with maybe a hundred other people and everyone's meditating, you're all, you're doing this by yourself, right? And yet the energy, you can feel the energy of the people around you. That's probably the best way to describe it between Angel and I, because you're right. A lot of times we're not communicating. Um, you know, when we have our task, we're focused on the tasks, but yet we are in each other's presence and we do have set breaks where we, you know, obviously we're talking <laughs> and we're exchanging information. She's proofreading something of mine and vice versa. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, that that's important. Um, but the separation, too, of of realizing that, you know, it's it's a scheduling thing. You're the master of productivity, we know. And uh and so when it comes to family and treating treating each other, you know, as business partners, but also as, you know, a, a married couple, husband and wife, um, you have to you have to know when to stop. Right. You have to know, OK, the end of the day is over. And even though we work for ourselves and we could carry this forward with us, um, you know, and especially when you're writing the book. Right. I mean, it, you, you get carried away, you get immersed in this process. And sometimes it's easy to like even with having family life, it's easy to let it bleed over, you know, into mm-hmm. 5 p.m., into 6 p.m. Um, instead of cutting ourselves off. So that's, you know, that's something that we've, we've noticed, you know, the ritual of, of, you know, practicing the actual schedule we set for ourselves is important so that we're not sitting around our son or around each other in the evening thinking we should be working and vice versa, right? You have to have that separation of, 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 of duties. Um, your work at that, has made it more a more mindful and pleasant experience. Yeah, I mean, definitely being more present in whatever you're doing right there. So if we're working, we're working and we're not, I'm not thinking about, oh, what activities. Ever found yourself deep in a project, your flow state so intense that the world around you just fades away? That's the magic zone where ideas take flight and your work truly comes to life. But what if, in a blink, it could all disappear? Hard drives fail, coffee spills, and yes, even the dreaded accidental delete happens. But fear not, because CrashPlan has your back. Don't wait for disaster to strike. Head over to CrashPlan.com slash timecrafting now for a free trial and secure your creations with their limited time buy one, get one offers. Supporting our sponsors means supporting this podcast, so take a moment to check them out. 
Crash Plan is the superhero of cloud-based data protection, specifically designed for people like us who live and breathe their digital creations. Crash Plan ensures that every file, every idea, and every piece of hard work is safely backed up and protected. With Crash Plan Professional, you get unlimited backup for your computers, not servers or cloud apps, just pure essential data protection for PC, Mac, and Linux. This means your business plans, designs, music, and documents are continuously encrypted and updated in their secure cloud without you lifting a finger. Imagine this, your laptop takes a dive during a late night work session. With Crash Plan, it's not a disaster, it's just a minor hiccup. Their service runs quietly in the background, safeguarding every change you make every 15 minutes. And if the worst happens, your files are just a few clicks away from being restored with unlimited version retention acting as your personal time machine. For businesses, Crash Plan's multi-tenant capabilities are a game changer. Buy as many licenses as you need, manage them with ease, and let your team or your IT admin restore data seamlessly, saving precious time and resources. So go to crashplan.com slash timecrafting now to sign up for a free trial and take advantage of one of their limited buy one, get one offers for a productive conversation listeners. That's crashplan.com slash timecrafting. Back up better with Crash Plan. Have you ever looked into fasting and thought, I love the benefits, but I can't go days without eating? Well, that's where Prolon comes in, transforming the fasting experience with a plant-based nutrition program that tricks your cells into thinking they're fasting without actually having to stop eating. Developed through decades of research at the University of Southern California Longevity Institute, Prolon is not just another diet, it's a scientifically backed program designed to support your body's natural processes. Now keep in mind, this isn't about cutting out food, it's about providing your body with the right nutrients to enter a fasting state while still eating. The program includes snacks, soups, and beverages, all carefully designed to support healthy blood sugar levels, cardiovascular health, and even reduce abdominal fat. And the convenience? Well, it's unmatched. Everything you need comes in one box delivered right to your doorstep. Thousands of doctors now recommend Prolon for its health benefits, backed by Nobel Prize winning science. So if you're looking for a way to kickstart your health journey with all the benefits of fasting and none of the hunger, Prolon is the answer. And right now, Prolon is offering a Productive Conversation listeners 10% off their five-day nutrition program. Go to prolonlife.com slash timecrafting. That's P-R-O-L-O-N life.com slash timecrafting for this special offer. Again, that's prolonlife.com slash timecrafting. Check it out today am I going to schedule for Mac, you know, this week? And when I'm with Mac, I'm not thinking, oh, I should have sent this email. And I definitely struggled with that in the beginning of parenthood. Um, I definitely did for probably a good year, not being able to juggle both. But I think just being present with what I'm doing in that moment and allocate, allocating certain times, like, okay, this is work time, this is family time, has helped tremendously. Right. And when writing the book, right, it's like, you know, when we're writing and we're working, I mean, we are partners in business. And when we are not, we were partners in life, um, but there is that distinction where we turn that, you know, we flip that on and off based on our schedule. I want to talk a little bit more about this idea of, of, of you know, 
where where people feel that they uh, where where they're at. So let's say they start where they're at. So someone is going to read your book, and they start reading your book, and the rituals is where they begin. What was I mean? The journaling was one part of it, but what when you were because you've dealt with a bunch of people leading up to you know in your in your work. What is one thing, one ritual that that you maybe found either through your research or with dealing with people that was rather surprising that kind of triggered that for somebody, what maybe it even was for you, for them to start that journey towards getting back to happy? Sure. Um, well, I, we, we had mentioned, I think I briefly mentioned um, self-inquiry, right? Like yeah. digging into your own thoughts. Um, and so when you think about journaling and you think about overcoming your, your adversity and the thoughts that you're having, um, a lot of people think of journaling as a tool to reflect. And it is. Um, mm -hmm. And one of the most common forms of journaling for personal development or self-improvement might be something like a gratitude journal, right? At the end of every day, you sit down and you record, you know, let's say three to five things that you're grateful for during the day. And it's three to five little things like I made it home safely from work today. Uh, my husband and, uh, and I are, are, are safe and sound. My, my child is, is well. It doesn't have to be big things. So that's a very common form of journaling. Now, self-inquiry is maybe the complete opposite of that, and yet that is the one um, that has had the biggest breakthroughs for us personally and for a lot of our coaching clients and course students. Um, and that involves actually doing the opposite of gratitude journaling. In, in a sense, it's you're journaling on the very thoughts and experiences throughout your day that have been most stressful. Um, and the way it works is that... And before oh, you dive into how it works, it's just... Through our work with, you know, our readers, our community, our, our, our course students, we have realized that we're all dealing with so many different situations, mm -hmm. but the core issue is our thinking of the situations. It's our thoughts. It's how we're thinking about it. So that has been the common thread when we're, we're working with, with our students and our readers. It's, it's the thinking that each one of us are doing around the particular situation. And you don't even realize it. Like even just talking about it right now, you're like, oh, whatever, it's not my thinking. But when you actually say it out loud, like what you're thinking, you realize that that, that is a story you are telling yourself about that. Like, And the self-inquiry process that Mark is talking about is a way for you to clearly see what you are telling yourself and what is opposites of that? Like, is there anything else I may be missing? Let me look at this situation from a different perspective. So the common thread has definitely been our thinking and our thoughts, each one of us individually. Right. And, you know, I'm, right, it's like, you know, 98% of the time, the problem is not the problem, right? Mm -hmm. The problem is the way we're thinking about the problem. We're all going to have issues. We're all going to have challenges in our lives. Um, and, and resisting those challenges, believing they should not be the way that they are, is not an exercise that's going to move us forward, but actually focusing on the thoughts that we're having about that, right? Those negative thoughts, those thoughts that are, are that are you know naysaying reality, um, can help us refocus ourselves and be, become more mindful of what's really happening and what our next best step forward is. Mm -hmm. um, maybe we can give him like a quick example. You know, I, I could do a quick self inquiry on you. Yeah. Do you want to sure. do that, Mike? Yeah, let's fire. Yep, yep. And then I'm gonna follow up with a question, like a, one, like a devil's advocate. Like, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Um, so, Angel, um, give me a thought. You know, and, 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 and the best way, let me actually, let me preface it with this, Mike. So, I'm gonna, we're going to give you a quick example here uh, mm -hmm. for, for you and your listeners. But um, the way this would really be done, and the reason it's based on journaling, is that what you would do is throughout your day, 
Um, whenever you feel your anxiety surging, whenever you feel that pressure in the back of your head and in your neck, whenever you realize that some thought is getting the best of you, you would pause and take about 60 seconds. It doesn't have to be any more than that. And you would literally write down that thought. You would write down what's on your mind in that moment that's getting the best of you. And of course, it's not going to be feasible at every moment. You might be in a business meeting or something like that, but most of the time it will be. And so the challenge is as often as you can throughout the day, whenever you are feeling the anxiety and the high levels of stress that are getting the, ba the best of you, pause, take a quick 60 seconds and write down your exact thought, do like a raw brain dump into a safe place. It could be with, you know, just a, a pencil and a pad, could be in an iPhone or an iPad or something like that get it out of your head. And the reason you want to do that is because, you know, later on, the second part is to actually review your thoughts, right? So the, right now we're just recording. We do the recording. And then once a week we go back and we review thoughts. If you try to, if I asked you, Hey Mike, you know, how'd you feel last you know, Monday when you were feeling sick and freaking out about something you, you would, I mean, you wouldn't, a, you wouldn't remember it. Um, but B you would kind of downplay its importance. You would think to yourself, <laughs> well, Man, well, I, I, I'm a bit of an arbitrary because I journal, right? So I would, I would go back. I wouldn't remember it offhand, but I'd be able to go because I'm one of those people that journals, right? So I'd be able to go back and say, "How did I feel?" And I tend to batch it at the end of the day. So I'll say, like for example, when I'm sick, and I know we'll we'll definitely get to the exercise because I won't, but. Um, I, I know that last Monday, so not the Monday that, you know, obviously we're, we're talking before I was in California, but the, the week before that, I was, I was anxious because I wasn't getting the right stuff done and I could because it was my optimization day and how can you optimize when you're not even feeling good? And number two, um, I, but I started thinking about things that weren't working with my business because that's all I could do. I couldn't really ex execute. So there was just a lot of musing and a lot of planning and that went into that, that entry and a lot of good came from that, but if I didn't do that, you're right. If I didn't, if I just, if I just knew I was sick on Monday, I'd say I felt like crap, and then then shame might show, regret and shame might show up because it's like, oh look, thanks, I'm having to revisit this. But sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but I'm probably an outlier in this case. No, I think that's great insight. Yeah, I think that's great, but I think most people, like you said, you're an outlier. I think most people do not do that. And even if they do journal, me, you know, and I was guilty of this in the past was I was just journaling the good things. Mm -hmm. And so this is a way to actually journal, hey, what are the tough things instead of avoiding it, bring it to light. Right, exactly. It's it's a balance of both, you know. I mean, journaling what we've learned, journaling the, the the things we're grateful for is very important, but that's like one section. We we can we do that, but we can't ignore these thoughts um, that we're having that are just getting the best of us time and time again. Right. And so, yeah, you, I mean, I think you are an outlier, but at the same at the same time, um, we all have the tendency, whether we're you know whether we're just kind of jotting down and kind of reflecting on our day or not. We do have this tendency, especially if you're doing it in the evenings, like after the fact and you're not in the heat of the moment, and I think that's the key, mm -hmm. is the self-inquiry journaling actually happens in real time when your emotions are really high, right? Because when you go back, even, even in the evening, you think about you know the stressful morning you had, you downplay it. You kind of say, ah, you know, it wasn't that big of a deal. You know, I, I, was, I was catastrophizing things. But in the heat of the moment, right, at that moment, it was a huge deal and it affected the way you were behaving, how effective you were in your work, how effective you were in your relationships, how you were treating yourself and others. Uh, so it was incredibly important. It wasn't not a big deal. It actually was a huge deal. Even if you were blowing things out of proportion, it doesn't make a difference. Like it was affecting everything. Yeah. Right, right. So, and, 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 and anyway, I th yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and I think I think the key there is like, and it actually leads myself leads me to the second question as we were going to get to the exercise here. But when people say they don't have time to do that, well, what if my day is so busy? What if I don't have time? The very reason that they don't think that they have time is a, the absolute reason why they should do this. That's that's exactly right. <laughs> And, and that's why it's only 60 seconds long, too. So, you know, mm -hmm. we're aware that like when, when we set this up with our clients and students, you know, we say, hey, listen, every every single time. Ever caught yourself marveling at the seamless magic of everyday tech, like how noise canceling headphones block out the world or the sheer bliss of meeting free Fridays? Now, imagine if there was a way to bring that kind of magic into selling online. Well, guess what? There is. And it's called Shopify. From the moment you decide to launch your online shop to opening your first physical store and even when you're pinching yourself because yes, you just hit a million orders, Shopify is there to guide your growth. Whether you're selling shipping supplies or the latest productivity tools, Shopify supports you everywhere with their all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system. The checkout, oh, it's a breeze for your customers, converting up to 36% better than other platforms. And with Shopify Magic, your AI-powered assistant, you're selling more with way less effort. And you won't be alone in your Shopify journey because Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., supporting giants like Allbirds and Brooklinen and millions of entrepreneurs across 175 countries. Their award-winning support is always there, making sure businesses that grow, Grow with Shopify, and yours can be one of those businesses. And for those looking to level up, Shopify's endless integrations and third-party apps from on-demand printing to chatbots ensure your business is always ahead of the curve. So what are you waiting for? Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash timecrafting, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash timecrafting now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. That's shopify.com slash timecrafting. That you can feasibly do so throughout a day. Take 60 seconds and pause when you're feeling the anxiety and the stress levels rise and you're feeling emotional and get that thought down. And just and when we're saying get the thought down, we're saying write a couple sentences. This isn't a huge journal entry. Just take the time to do it. So don't overwhelm yourself, you know. And if you're in a meeting or doing something, of course, it doesn't make sense to do so. But it's really it's, it's about it's small steps. And so 60 seconds, I mean, we can find that time. Um, so, so that's the first step is just record throughout the day. Then once a week, you, you, you take that journal of thoughts and, and for the week, you might have 20 entries, you might have 10 entries, whatever it is. Um, and you open up that thoughts and you, that journal of thoughts and you just read through it and just doing that in itself, um, as Angel mentioned, kind of brings awareness, right? It, you're looking at how you were feeling at some of those stressful moments and what was really going on in your head and heart at those moments. And that alone can be, can be quite insightful, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and and so that's kind of the first step. Then you're going to pick the one thought, right? Because we're keeping this simple to start. You pick the one thought that is giving you the most anxiety just by reading it, right? It brings you back to the moment, that time in your week when you were stressed, when, when anxiety was raging, when you were having you know, an interaction with somebody that was driving you nuts. Take that thought that gives you the most anxiety just by rereading re it, and then you're going to work through a series of questions with it. Um, and so we'll, we'll – do the exercise. Well, I kind of just do it live rather than just kind of feed the questions to you just sure. to give you an idea of what works. So Angel, we'll go back, back to where we started. Um, give me a thought that during the week, and obviously you haven't written this down, so it's not this isn't a perfect execution of this tool, but a thought that's been bothering you in recent times. 
So I have a younger sister that lives about a mile away from me. And the thought that comes to my mind is just the idea that she is the most selfish person in the entire world. That That is the thought that comes to mind that, that just drives me nuts. And I, I can feel myself boiling up when I think that. And I think it all too often. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's probably a common thought many of us have about certain people in our lives, right? I mean, we, especially when the anxiety is raging and we're feeling emotional, we're like, oh, like they're such selfish. I mean, they're just a selfish human mm-hmm. being. Um, but let me ask you this. Is that true? And can it be proven? Can it be scientifically proven that your sister is the most selfish person in the entire world? So when I sit here and think about that, you know, of course I can think of a million examples on what make that thought true, you know? Yes. You know, whenever I talk to her, she always wants to talk about herself. She never really asked me what's going on in my life. It's always about her. I'm always initiating everything. And if I ask her to hang out or try to make plans with her, she leaves her schedule open. She can't fully commit because she wants to see if something else better potentially comes along. Um, So, yes, I, I can think of reasons that that thought is true. Now, can it be proven? No, but it's true. <laughs> <laughs> you feel it's true. Okay. All right. Fair <laughs> enough. Um, okay. So who are you with that thought in your head? In that situation, interacting with your sister, let's assume you just walk into a room with your sister, no words have been exchanged, and you have that thought in your head. And let's, let's assume that you have that thought in your head walking into a room with anyone else as well. Who are you with that thought in your head? I can definitely say when I'm thinking that thought, I'm agitated, I'm irritated, I'm stressed. I know I'm not the person I want to be. Um, yeah, and I feel as though I can't help it. I'm just, I, I, I feel the blood boiling. I feel the agitation. Yeah, I, I, I'm not who I want to be, but I don't understand why. And And a big part of our thoughts obviously deals with focus. And so I'd be curious to know, like, if you could somehow, and it's, it's much easier said than done, but if you could somehow magically strip that thought out of your head, if you could get rid of that thought and you could walk into that same room with your sister, what else would you see besides that selfish person? Who else would she be? Wow, that's, that's a powerful one. Um, if I could never think that thought again, and now I'm, I have my sister in front of me and I'm looking at her, I see this beautiful, caring person that I love dearly, that is my family member. And it doesn't mean that your sister is not selfish, of course. At some point, she is, right? Sometimes she is. But it's not an all or nothing uh, you know, situation. This isn't a completely black or white situation. She's a human being who is selfish. Mm-hmm. But is she always selfish? Yeah. And if she's not always selfish, if we can broaden that perspective beyond this, this one thing we're looking for in this person— you can see more than that, huh? Yeah, yeah. All of a sudden, I realize that I'm going into every interaction with my sister with that thought in my mind, and that is overshadowing all of the positive qualities that she has to offer. And I didn't even realize I was doing that. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 a fascinating thing that when, when we have when we have a train of thought going on, when something is stressing us out. When our anxiety is high, our, our focus is incredibly mm-hmm. narrow. We're looking at this one thing that's driving us nuts, this one thing about this person or the circumstance that is making us mad, and we ignore everything in the periphery. 
and to, to, to focus on this one thing. And it doesn't mean that the thing we're focusing on is wrong. It doesn't mean that we're wrong for feeling that way or that this person isn't behaving the way we think they are. But there's more to the story than just that. And when we can broaden the focus beyond that one focal point, we start to see more of the story, yeah. the whole truth. Yeah. I mean, it, it definitely aligns with that saying, you know, what you focus on, you see more of. Mm -hmm. And so I was just waiting for my sister to prove me right. You know, I was walking into that situation with a thought in my mind, just w looking for it. So I wasn't seeing anything else she had to offer until that moment where she was proving me right that, oh, there it is. She's selfish. She did that. And so, yeah, I didn't even realize I was doing that. Um, so I wasn't even seeing anything good she had to offer. And, and the last part of this would be like a, fl a flip like of your thought, right? So instead of saying, my sister is the most selfish person in the world, my sister is caring. Can you think of examples that make the complete opposite of the thought that's stressing you out true? Of course. You know, that's easy. My sister gives the best gifts. You know, she's not the person going to the gas station to pick up a gift card on the way to my birthday party. Nine out of 10 times, she's creating something with her hands and she gives the best gifts. And, and so, yeah, I can definitely think of examples on how she is caring. Can you think of any other opposites? Maybe instead of your sister is selfish, sometimes you are selfish. Yeah, I could see how there's truth in that, that maybe I'm the one that's being the selfish one. Maybe I'm the one that wants to just be all about me, me, me. At least sometimes, yeah. right? And that's that's the key is it, it's this is an all or nothing thing. It's sometimes. So anyway, I mean, anyway, Vardy, that's like giving you an example like it. it you know, self-inquiry is a tool that you can leverage to dig into the thoughts that are getting the best of you, to bring perspective to them. And it does not sit, doesn't mean you're wrong for thinking this. It doesn't mean that this thing that's bothering you isn't happening, but it's realizing that, hey, if that's all I'm focusing on, to, I mean, I am literally bringing myself to my knees and driving myself insane by thinking of it like as the, the sole focal point of my, of my attention span. And if I can broaden my perspective and broaden my focus, I can see what else is around this so that I can better work with the reality that I have to deal with. And that'll give me the ability to take the right steps around the problem or to address the problem from a different angle. Um, so, it, you know, we can we can leverage something like this. As Angel said, you know, it, it applies to our relationships. It applies to our work. It applies to our personal life. It even it even applies when we're struggling through something like grief and depression. I mean, practices like this um, reflecting can be a very beneficial uh, practice if it's done consistently mm -hmm. and if it's done right. Yeah, you'll, the aha moment is really when you're able to realize that what you see is built on what you're thinking and what right. your thoughts are. And so once we can really accept that and understand what that even means, and it's not, not something you can just flip a switch and say, oh, I, I got it. I, I can change this. It's definitely a process. But realizing that whatever you are seeing it's an interpretation of your thinking. So last question I want to throw your way uh, before we wrap up is how do you um, how do you encourage or motivate people? And I know there's a chapter on this in the book, but to keep this consistent because often with, with, with tactics or strategies like this or even just because I think that this book is – it's not a book that you're going to just pick up and read and never review again. Like, it's just not. Like, I mean, because we need encouragement. We need reminders. We need that, you know, that gut check. What, what are some of the things that you recommend that people can do 
when that you know that bias shows up that says, oh, you know what, this isn't really helping, even though they don't see it up front, it probably is. It's just not helping as apparently. Or they're saying, you know what, um, I've run out of time. Or or they get that you know that that bias that shows up and says, uh, you can skip it today. And then all of a sudden today turns into tomorrow and the next tomorrow and the next tomorrow. So what are what are just a couple of tactics that you can share or that's worked for you even to keep this consistent so that yeah. the benefits last? Yeah. Um, and we're all guilty of that. You know, we're guilty of that, too, saying, oh, we're going we're gonna to do this. And then we brush it off. And then two days turns into a week, turns into a month. And next thing you know, it that goes by the wayside. So we're definitely all guilty of that. And I think I'm very similar to you, Vardy, in terms of I am a visual person. So a way to keep me on track that really helps is using the whole don't break the chain, right? That 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 activity, the wall calendar, and ha- marking an X on every time I do the activity. So, you know, with the self-inquiry practice and the other rituals that we suggest in the Getting Back to Happy book is every time you do it, marking an X through that day and try and being consistent. So every day you want to put that X through that day. And then when you get a week in and you're like, oh man, I don't have time to do this or I don't feel like doing this. You're going to look at that calendar and you're going to be like, oh, but I don't want to break the chain. So mm-hmm. I'm going to fit it in. I'm going to squeeze it in. So it sounds so simple, but, but it works. So just having that wall calendar of where you've got those X's and on those days where I feel like, oh my gosh, I don't have time. And I look at that and I'm like, well, there's no way I'm going to break this chain of 30 days straight. You know, I want to be consistent. And so that keeps me motivated. Yeah. I think visual reminders are incredibly important. I mean, we have students and clients who have like their, their bank statements taped to computers to remind them of the debt they want to pay off. I mean, we have one uh, woman um, who ha- keeps a, and it, it sounds almost negative, but it has helped her immensely keeping a, a picture of herself when she was like 90 pounds heavier on her refrigerator as a reminder of who she doesn't want to be and, and what she's working for and, and the progress she's made when she looks in the mirror versus that picture. Um, so visual reminders, I mean, don't break the chain. I agree. Incredibly powerful. One of the other ones too, which is a classic, um, but Angel and I do it a little bit differently and actually suggest it differently in the book is accountability. Um, and having a, an accountability partner. Uh, and we do it a little bit different. So I'll give you a quick example of ours is you're, you would have a, an accountability partner. So let's say Angel and I are accountability partners, and, and we are, so that works. Um, and I, at, at, the, at the beginning of every month, I would write down a list of things, usually 10 uh, things, but it can be as low as five, but things that I want to hold myself accountable to. So we usually have a list of 10. And one of those might be the self-inquiry process. One of those might be evening journaling or morning journaling. Uh, one of those for me, for sure, is always spending at least one hour of uninterrupted, focused, present time with my son and so forth. And so I would write these this, this list of things to myself. These are the things that I want to hold myself accountable to throughout the month. Angel would write her own list to herself. And then we would switch papers. And every single day, I will... If Angel's in front of me, I will just ask her the questions at the end of the day. If if she's not with me and we're on you know someplace different on business or whatever, I will call her on the phone. But without fail, we will call each other and we will get in touch and we will read each other our questions, right? And so she's reading me my questions and I'm reading her her questions. So it doesn't feel like she's badgering me because these are the questions I want to ask myself. Right. And that's important, I think, with accountability. A lot of times we feel like someone's like pressuring us. We're like, oh, stay away from me. Don't don't check up on me. But 
this is a way for you to you're, you're actually having another human being ask you your own questions. And then, you know, we, I, I just simply put a one. That's what we do is we put a one next to each one we we can say yes to. And the, the hopefully the goal is to get that perfect 10, but we're not always perfect. Um, so it can help. It helps hold us accountable to the things we're doing and also gives us an idea about where we're slacking off. If there's something that I never am putting a one next to after like a couple weeks, uh, maybe that's not really a priority to me and maybe I need to rethink it. Um, so it can help you kind of take a look at what your priorities are as well. Yeah. And also just if if you're not if you're not marking it, if you're not able to say yes, just remove it and let there be no guilt. Like remove it. It's not a priority. It's OK. Let that yeah. weight be gone and and be OK with right. it, seeing as you haven't done it in the yeah. last you know week or so. Right. And, and it, it's the, the you know, because the idea, too, is that. When someone is checking up on you and actually physically like making the call or, or, or standing in front of you with your, your own list, um, if, if it really matters to you, if it really is a priority, right, spending an hour with my son is a big priority to me. And, it, it, you know, if I if I miss a, a one day, fine. Right. But if I'm consistently missing it, um, then I usually that's enough to slap me right back into place. Right. If I can somehow push through months of not doing it, then then like Angel said, it's probably not a priority to begin with. So it's time to reevaluate things. This has been great. Um, the new book, Getting Back to Happy, Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Reality, and Turn Your Trials and Triumphs is now available. It's like just out. So uh, where can people go to learn more about you guys as well as get the book? At markandangel.com, and that's M-A-R-C with a C. Um, uh, and, you know, you can find the book on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever books are sold. We really appreciate your time, Vardy. Thank you so much for having us. Thanks for Thanks for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. If you want to get all of the links and stuff related to this episode, head to productivityist.com slash podcast 477. You'll find a link not only to their previous books, but also to this new book, The Good Morning Journal, which I am holding in my hands right now. And I highly encourage you to pick it up. I also highly encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. That way you don't miss a single episode of what's to come. We have another Vault episode next week with Marshall Goldsmith, so you don't want to miss that one. But there's episodes that are not out of the vault yet that you could find simply, easily, quickly by becoming a subscriber. Just hit the subscribe button wherever you are listening to this podcast right now and make that happen. Another way to support the show, by the way, is to check out the sponsors that you heard on this episode. Just go to productivityist.com slash podcast sponsors and then check out all the sponsors that are listed there and then let them know that I sent you. That's it for now. I'm done with you today in terms of this podcast episode. I'll be back next week. I hope you will too. Until next time, I'm Mike Vardy, the host of A Productive Conversation, reminding you to stop doing productive and start being productive. See you later.